right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show for Tuesday, August 15th. I am Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Please rate and review, and please hit subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. also want to tell you about our friends at Homage. If you go and click the link below in our description, you buy yourself something, whatever. Buy yourself something you care about something. Buy your enemy something if you're trying to mend fences. You know, just buy someone something. Homage is a great place to do that. Some of the money from your purchase will come back to us. If you don't know what Homage is, they are an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They offer a range of official licenses, including the NBA and the WNBA. And the NFL have a really comfortable Cleveland Browns. Cleveland football, technically, but Cleveland... Brown's hoodie on from them right now. They sent us great stuff. Brendan has an amazing uh, Brendan went now Grand Canyon, I believe. The Grand Canyon. It's a great tee. I have a great New York Liberty tee from them. You can't really go wrong. They have hundreds of other unique lifestyle and pop culture designs. Go below, buy yourself something, and support the show. All right, Brendan, let's start with James Harden. Uh, today's show is going to be James Harden, Cooper Flag, and Hall of Fame Week. I know it's, we're, we're definitely in August here. Uh, later this week, we are going to talk about the Commissioner's Cup, do more NBA, WNBA, excuse me, deep dives, because we're in a really key point in that season. And late, Aces Liberty 3 is, it's like a, it's a prize fight. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that, that game. They should have a title a belt. Of, That's what the commissioner, forget a trophy, it should be a belt. Look, considering in the in the NBA at least, we do have a thing now where year after year after year, guys are there's someone at every championship parade that wears a WWE championship belt. I think they should just make the belt a real thing. The belt should be for not the MVP, not the obviously the trophies for the whole organization, but like the the pain in the ass of the series. Like like Bruce Brown, uh I guess like Drew Holiday. Gary Payton the second like that that guy should get the belt uh, that that's how we should do things yeah I I could not agree more uh, but James Harden might get some kind of belt I would say I don't know if it's the exact he hasn't played deep enough in the playoffs to get the kind of belt we're maybe talking about here but Brennan we're just gonna let's read this quote um can I I'm gonna ask you a question and don't take the, I don't I don't know how you're going to take this, but I'm just going to ask it. Okay. Which one of us do you think has more theater, like high school theater kid energy? I was a marching band kid, so. Okay, so I think you need to read Probably this quote. Me. I think you should. I think you need to read this quote. Yeah. I don't. I was, was like, there a theater I, energy to it? I mean, I'll read it. He said, "No, no, 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 no. It's just like I wanted the dramatic. No, let me explain myself first. I wanted the dramatic person, and I was yeah. like, "Can I just like be a sad piece of crap and read Hemingway and Samuel Beckett?" And I was not a marching band. So no, I, I, I hear, I hear why you want the rendition put this way, but. Yeah. The reality was so much more awkward and and plain <laughs> and just like it just hit have, it hit the walls around it with I, like I, a complete yeah. thud. But here's the quote: Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again: Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never 
be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Um, why did he repeat it? Why did he need to say it to? Did he not think emphasis. that the cameras were rolling? Emphasis. That was honestly my guess. Emphasis. Well, emphasis. Okay. Number one, Brendan. Okay, let's let let's set the stage of this. This man is out in Asia, I think China. This was this was in right. Mm-hmm. China, he's out. On, he's out. He's out in the world. He's doing shoe company stuff, sponsorship stuff. Like it's that time of the year for a lot of NBA guys if they don't have international team commitments. He had to know that, like someone, like who, like someone sent Shams that video. Yep. Like that would like let's like, like the the part about this that like for it's like some someone in Harden's team when he's like I'm gonna say this in front of a school in front of a room of Chinese teenagers is yep. gonna stand off to the side and take this at an angle so it's like kind of innocuous like kind of like oh it's a man in the crowd took this and posting that yeah. but like clearly someone took this and was like then sent this to Shams like that is what happened yeah, here. for sure <laughs> that's the fun that's hilarious I mean especially because like the, the the social media apps aren't even the same in both countries so there was no world where it was going to go where he wanted it to go unless he planted somebody and he knew that and i, well, I think yeah. that's why he re- he repeated it um i this, also this just is all, this is brendan this is the equivalent of like you if you were to commit a crime and to like get rid of your fingerprints you took like a handkerchief and just like rubbed the surfaces that you touched and you're like i def that's definitely gonna do the job right like that this isn't even like a clever way of like denying no. this that's the funny like there's no deniability well that's that so was funny. one of my questions here is what is actually the difference between doing it this way and just just like tweeting Nothing. it or Putting it on an Instagram I, I, story. Look, I would have more respect for Harden if he just came out and was like, "Yeah, this is my issue right now," and laid it out. And like, instead of doing it this way, I would be. It would be much cooler if he gave an interview to Shams, or like mm-hmm. did a Instagram live with little baby. Like, like just do something where you explain this, you know. And so, then like, like I don't get this. This is. <laughs> No, I, I don't get it at all. It was very goofy. That's why I was making fun of him for repeating it. It's like if you to 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 cue up the theater kid energy of it. It's like you say it, then you you really emphasize it with like a never. I mean, ever will I ever like you know that's what you do. But just to repeat it verbatim was it very much was like, hey, did you hit record? Like, did we get that? Um, but no, I mean honestly to take it into the to the realm of serious because this is a pretty insane thing. I mean, it's insane for the the reason. We laid out from a, a vibe standpoint, also insane because it's pretty unprecedented to have this happen. And what I think of when I think of why not, you know, give an interview, or well, I, I guess Arden, this is a this, little more impactful than like a tweet. So I get, I get that. But like yeah. he could have easily well, done an interview or done some sort of podcast setup or, or some sort of something like that if he wanted to. Um, Podcast it makes me think there's culpabil- culpability here. It makes me think that he didn't want to have to be in an environment where he would have to answer a follow-up question or even be in the freaking country of the people who I mean, might care about the rece- reception of this news, you know? Like, that's that's where my mind goes because I, I went back and looked, and last year, the Sixers were obviously punished for tampering, right? And when that happened, we all thought, oh, the wink-wink thing with Harden, they got caught. But I don't think that people's memory retained it correctly because that's actually not what they got charged with, even though the NBA investigated everything they did. The NBA punished them for free agency discussions with P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, which obviously is all connected. But Uh the NBA went so far as to say they found no wrongdoing with anything related to James Harden. 
so where's the lie? That that's the question, right? What was the lie? Was the lie that there was going to be a new contract this year? Was the lie about the amount of that contract, the timing of that contract, some other thing that that hasn't happened because you don't just call the general manager of your team who you're like personal friends with a liar regardless of how silly you do it the, if there's he, not he, something he, there. We're were the private jet photos for anything, you know? Like what what is what is love anymore if we if if that relationship is, it, is nothing over? is sacred. Well, Brendan, let me ask you one other thing in a in a joking manner. Uh, would would James Harden going on podcast B and like saying this would that have been tampering? Uh, no, it wouldn't have been tampering because players can't tamper. But okay. it would be well, similar to whatever this is about to be, right? I mean, this is effectively pretty similar to what Damian Lillard just got memoed about, <laughs> and like what okay, the NBA but- very much wants to avoid. But answer, what do you think the lie is? Before we go so, to the Harden side, what is he accusing Daryl Morey of, if, if you had to guess? I mean, I, it has to be money, right? The $15 like, million I, that he gave up not being yeah. kind of part of whatever this latest offer was this summer? I mean, that's yeah, the most pull, obvious guess, right? Yeah, I'm going to pull... Yaron Weitzman, who, has cover, who covers the Sixers really, really well um, for places like Fox, wrote a really good book about the process that I would recommend people go read. Um... He laid this out, and this makes me think it has to be about the money. Number one, he t- I'm going to paraphrase Yaron's tweet. Number one, turns down the max extension for the Nets. Then he takes a pay cut to re-sign with the Sixers. Says it's about winning. And then spent a season talking about how he was miserable in Philly. Then he asked for a max deal. Doesn't get it. But opts into his contract. Demands to be traded but can't like the trade landscape for him is obviously like, did he just think every other team was just going to like, okay, whatever. Then he makes this statement, which I, the only thing that comes to mind is that he did have an illegal wink, wink deal with the Sixers. He thought, um, and then like, or an implied one, even, yeah, even if it wasn't out out now, he he might've just thought that was coming. He, I think thought the Brinks truck was like, going to be given to him and that didn't happen which i think was like a very smart franchise decision in from a financial perspective for the 76ers like i i don't know if i 100 percent would have just given james harden whatever he wanted even if i was friends with him and, and well, built okay but that's whole, the like, distinction right him. like you're big picture you're obviously right of course it's contract related that's what this whole thing is about but the specifics are what matters right because it's yeah. not about what james harden wanted it's about what he thinks he was told he was getting but this, this isn't but about this is, james harden saying yeah. daryl morey didn't give me all my money that's not worth I mean, going it, to china and saying but something being told to him that was a to a to a t something very specific to this exact thing that somehow the nba said nothing was fishy about that opens like a bigger kind of like the nba is in some trouble kind of box to me if it's now this many layers deep and Harden is directly accusing Maury of, of reneging on something that the NBA has said never happened, but Maury has never had to comment on and Harden thinks very much did happen. Like, if the accusation is that specific and not just kind of throwing a fit, that's a pretty big problem for kind of everybody. Honestly, except Harden. Harden was the recipient of all of this, but like Maury, the NBA, all these parties, if, if, if there's any way to find it, 
what actually happened or if Harden goes scorched earth even more and actually gives details here, like there could be something pretty serious. I know we all kind of know this happens, but it's not very often that it gets blown up into everybody's faces if, if, if that's where this is headed. I mean, I, Brendan, I can't think of a comparison for this. I, I can't find a comp- I cannot think of a comparable thing. I, I cannot find a reasonable comparison to what James Harden just did. I can't think of one. No, I, I mean it, it. It's reminiscent of like some of the stuff that gets CBA'd out of existence, like uh, what the Joe Smith was that his name, the contract where mm-hmm. they gave him an overpaid deal and then it ended up getting him back somehow in order to they wanted to make a trade and then they ended up bringing him back on on some sort of deal later to give him a big bigger contract, all all that type of stuff that you hear of like, and then the NBA flushed that down to the toilet with this rule, you know. But in this case. It's kind of like the whole the whole jig is kind of up in a way. If there's no rule to get under the table dealings between teams and free agents and trade candidates out of out of existence. There's that's not like a loophole. <laughs> that's like the whole thing. Yeah. Um I mean okay, the other element wanna... of this is embarrassment is the other direction I think we can go, which is very clearly a part well, of this. So, the, Brendan, here, here's where I, I think I have the hardest part about some of this. The, the thing I really can't wrap my mind around of, wrap my mind around fully, is I just feel like I don't actually understand James Harden in a way I understand other stars. I under I feel like I have a pretty good grasp about what, like, Damian Lillard, in, in a also looking to get out of his situation... Is about. I understand what drives him. I understand what his motivations are. I understand kind of how he hit. Like for for if you want to be like kind of nihilistic about it and cynical about it, you could say that I understand what his brand is as a basketball player. I understand what sure. he kind of is as a man, right? I understand Giannis. I understand LeBron. I understand KD to to a, a different. It, maybe not as even if you don't love week. all those guys' style, right? We get it. Yeah, we get it. Like I, I have a better grasp, Brendan, on Kyrie sometimes than I do James Harden. I don't understand what James Harden wants. I don't understand what drives James Harden. I don't understand what makes him tick. I've never read like a thoughtful James Harden interview. There's never been a, a deep dive James James Harden profile since he's really been a superstar, at least in one that I'm not aware of. Like I, I don't feel like I understand what drives James Harden in a in a way and at a time where like it would be really helpful to understand that for us processing this. I don't understand. I I wonder how many people that are like dealing with him day to day even have a, a good idea about like what really drives and makes Harden tick. I I have no clue looking in from the outside. You mentioned Kevin Durant. It feels similar to that, and I think the reality is what drives him but changes. Like, okay. Wait, but but right. But here's like, the thing about Harden. in, in but, one but, moment. No, no, no. Go. But the, the thing with Hart, the thing with Durant is that, like, at the end of the day, I know that guy loves basketball. I know that guy just wants to fucking hoop. Like, at the end sure, of the day, sure, but are going sure, to play with Kyrie like, Irving in Brooklyn with a bunch of kids was not exactly what you do if no distractionless, peaceful Look, basketball have, is your goal, right? We, so we all have a we all have a friend who is a bad influence in legitimate and, le- and you just you probably shouldn't meet. Everyone has had a friend in their life like that. All right, that's, but that's, yeah, okay. and then I, I, Kevin Durant, it's like, well, he signs an extension and then before it even starts, he asks for a trade. Well, in that moment, what Kevin Durant cared about was probably money more than anything else. It wasn't about hooping or whatever crap he, you know, might say when he's you know, in, in his podcast mode or whatever. And I'm not even challenging that he loves basketball, but the reality is a lot of these guys, it changes, especially if you're not somebody who 
is a guarantee to get the money. LeBron, we don't have to say LeBron cares about money because he's going to get it, right? Durant, probably the same way. But with Harden, I do think what makes it so interesting is that it does seem to change. Like when he wanted to go to Brooklyn, I actually think that was about basketball in a lot of ways because he had to sacrifice. He became like a like freaking, you know, John Stockton out there almost with the way he was playing uh, with that team. Last summer, it wasn't money because he very actively chose less. So well, you but, would say uh, but, it was but, probably but, about building the right type of team or his relationship with Daryl Morey or trying to get through to Joel Embiid, whatever. In that one moment of last offseason when he had to make that decision, it was that. When it was this summer and it was opting out or opting in, he could have opted out and gone somewhere else, might not have made the money he wanted, but he could have left Philly. So leaving Philly was not, not his most important motivation at that moment. It was demanding a trade, going to the Clippers. Like He seems very hard to pin down and he doesn't seem to have something so i think you're actually right to say we don't know what it is because i mean i don't know if he knows you know i mean i i and then you go back to last summer it's like if there was a wink wink deal he probably did also think he was going to get compensated in the back end for this mm-hmm. so like yeah i, I don't I know mean, um the way that i think I, of the I, embarrassment I side of it is i feel like he I mean, the, the underlying reality of everything here, no matter what he wants, no matter what he meant by, by his quote in China and whatever is, there's no market for James Harden. I mean, I, no. I don't remember who it was, but I saw somebody uh, saying, you know, the, the, the kind of sad basic truth of all of this is he's just not super relevant anymore. He's relevant, he's relevant because a he's a goofball. Context. Well, he's yeah. relevant for like very specific context. And it's like... Teams that can are going to take a little bit of risk on what Harden is at this point, and it's a place he wants to play. And it was really Philly, and now it's the only place seems to be the Clippers. It's like the Clippers. Like there's a bunch of other teams. There's a reason that like there's not a secret third team trying to like drive up the price for Harden at this point. There's a reason that like you never heard Miami being like actually you know maybe we'll try to go after Harden you know or like yeah. But I mean you say a specific context, but it's like I mean at the end of the day last year how much how much was he relevant to who won the NBA championship? He played two strong games in the second round and his team lost. Even yeah. in that context, I mean at the end of the day I, I'm not I'm not the type of person that thinks if you don't win a championship you're like some sort of irrelevant nobody, but. He was an inconsistent second best player on a second round team. And that was like a great season for him. Yeah. Um, all right, Brennan, I, I want to hit on another part of this this story because I think this is going to continue to happen. We do also know via Woj um, and, and Sam Amick at The Athletic as well that the, t- the, the trade talks have like broken down and Harden's not going to report to camp. So like yeah. that's the other thing. And I don't have a ton to say on that. What I want to talk about is this Kyrie Irving tweet you put in there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Kyrie Irving tweets: Is he disgruntled, Adrian? With two question marks in reference because the main headline was yeah, disgruntled disgruntled Harden calls out Maury. He's responding to Woj's tweet. Yeah, yeah. So then Kyrie continues his saying, or is he holding Daryl Maury? Spelled Daryl wrong, by the way. um, Accountable for his dishonesty and lack of transparency throughout the contract negotiation process this summer. Here's what I would say: This is there's a there's an axiom in writing. Show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving is showing, and like James Harden and Kyrie Irving are saying that showing you or t- are showing you or telling you something and asking you to believe it without actually showing you what this is. If James Harden wants yeah. to like say that Daryl Moore is a liar and that he did him wrong and all this stuff, you kind of have to like show me. Like, and I th- like, Ky- if like, if you want to be like 
push back and hold people accountable and actually like say, hey, this system, even while we're star players, we drive the league, we drive the revenue. If you want to make a stand on that thing, and I I think players would have a, I, I, I would understand that. I kind of need you to show me like what the actual design is. You can't just say it. I understand it gets repeated. I understand it's now the headline. I understand that like Daryl Morey is a liar is now something that will forever be associated with Daryl Morey. Like yeah. that's just part of his now. But like, if you actually want to like get more than like a, a news cycle out of this, I think you kind of and, and actually like want to like make a difference for yourself and maybe others. Sure. I think you got to show the work here. You do. But part of why I was so uh, interested in the exposing of the insides and the inner workings uh, within what Harden said, despite how silly it is, is there's a reason we don't see players get as close to that exposure, exposing as he just did, is um, unless LeBron James wanted to do something like this, while it's true that there is a lot to be exposed and that a star player does hold a certain amount of power, um, if if Harden or Kyrie, given their history, were to actually show any sort of receipts, they're not going to play in the NBA again. No, and that that is true. I think like I mean, no matter and that and, and that is yeah. the part where I sympathize and I yeah. I think yeah. where Kyrie is coming from is based in in a in a reality that's super legit. Mm-hmm. There is there is, there are thirty plus people invested in the NBA and maintaining the nonsense that they're butting up against. Even if we all agree they aren't the best martyrs to be, you know, kind of lifted up. At the end of the day, James Harden showing a text message where Daryl said, "We'll make you whole again next summer. We really want to bring PJ and Daniel in." What happens? Nothing. Did, do we do we think Harden's like a a certain narcissist president? former president that we've like where he records all of his conversations. I, I don't, he doesn't strike me as like having the voice no. memo app running but, on his phone all the time. No, he doesn't. But what happens there is if he were to show the receipts is Daryl Morey gets fired. James Harden is probably a persona non grata in the NBA and, and leaves the league. It may be a little quicker than he would have otherwise. And Josh Harris keeps Bounds. making millions and billions of dollars owning sure. the team. Right. Yeah. So I do think that it, it's interesting. Like, Again, Harden might not be the best kind of character to be sending this message. Kyrie Irving certainly is not going to have a bunch of people on his side with with a fight like that, considering his lack of kind of commitment and consistency over the years. But they're pointing at something that's obviously true. Two other, two kind of last notes on this, um, this kind of thing, because I think we'll get more. I think this will continue to evolve. This is not done, obviously. Number one, I think the... Well, actually, this is kind of really my last one. I don't really have two. I don't know why I thought it was two. I think you either got to just be like... I think the NBA should probably just let itself get to where like soccer coverage is, where it's just like all year there's just a bunch of gossip. And all year there's like rumor and it's kind of chaotic. I think they should just like, kind of like let that be how it is. And I think I think it might be better, it might be better off. I mean, aren't point. they? Isn't that how it is? But it's a little more like... There's a little more of a facade of like... There's a little more of a facade than there is with some of the. See, I kind of think that part of the stuff. reason that there's not so much of it is because there's less of a facade, and like James Harden can do something like this. The reason I, I I always have thought the reason that soccer is so ridiculous like that is because the players are so protected and insulated. So yeah, you never actually hear from media. them. 
So it's just whisper, whisper stuff all the time. That, and that's but, how it gets okay, out but, of control. Whereas James then, Harden can just come out and say like, or Pascal Siakam, perfect example, right? Like everybody's talking about Siakam getting traded, but whenever there's reporting about him, it's always Pascal wants to be in Toronto and he wants to get his next contract as big as it can be. And then you just hear that and it's like, all right, well, the Siakam stuff's kind of nonsense right now, you know? Whereas like, well, if it's soccer, it's kind of like, well, what Pascal really wants? And it's just some agent or whatever whispering about it, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same, it's probably the same people like doing the talking. It's just framed differently mm-hmm. and media laws are different and stuff. But I, like if, if Harden, if, if Harden really wanted, and we don't have time for journalism law in the UK right now, but um, nor, nor are we, the, we that's, that's for the Patreon. I, I have taught years. a class on it. We'll do it later. I took I, oh okay cool. Um, no, I have not taught a class on anything. I, 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 I uh, yeah I understand. I did take a college law class, but it, or a journalism law class, but it was not uh, British law. American, yeah. yeah, yeah, American. Very and they're very there's there's a lot of differences. Um, if you ever notice like athletes get charged with things in in England, uh, it's very different than it is here where TMZ gets it. It just it's it's just out there and over there it's like. This, a professional athlete in the Premier League was charged with a crime in this neighborhood between X. It's just like, it's it's wild. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. James Harden, if he really wanted to, could have called Keith Pompey. He could have got a hold of Keith Pompey. He could have got a hold of Shams. He could have got a hold of Pick Kelly Iko if he wanted to go back to Houston. Sam Amick. He could have got a hold of anyone he wanted. And like done a version of this where like he doesn't actually maybe say more, but it's act- like he he does actually kind of get more out there than just like this specific thing. Mm-hmm. And then he, and, but I think you're right to say like he didn't want follow-ups. I think that's probably yeah. like, he doesn't want to actually have to answer questions about this right now or and probably I, ever. If I'm being honest, he's never, no. he's just going to be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about that when it comes to media day, wherever he's at in, in October or September. And I think the reason he doesn't want to is because he's embarrassed. There's no contract for him anywhere near the size he wants there to be one. Philly was the only chance he was going to have to get one. And the other part of why he probably doesn't want to talk about it is because I would doubt that he's fully innocent in whatever back and forths there were, at least according to NBA rules, even if most people like morally would probably take Harden's side. Yeah. Okay. Um, this isn't done. Who gets traded first, Dame or, or Harden? Dame. Yeah, I agree. Siakam or Harden? I think Siakam's going to stay a Raptor until at least the deadline. Okay. Um, weird story. This is just the weirdest. It, it it feels right that James Harden's the one being in the situation, if I'm being honest, but it's it's very weird. There's no good way to transition. Let's talk about Cooper Flag reclassifying. Um, Cooper Flag, who we've talked about on the show before, Brendan did a, a, I think did a lot of really good research in him, is reclassifying to the 2024 high school class in 2025. This means his upcoming year will be his last season at Monteverde Academy. He is currently uh, at the Nike Academy, Nike Academy in Florida. He is going to be in the 2025 draft now and i think regardless of class regardless of a lot of different aspects of it like he's the number one guy among all these high school kids right now and it's regardless of class right now um he's i think that's that's not a lock for some people based on what i've been reading around because we talked about cameron boozer at the time i think there's some who would have him higher and this uh aj I don't know how to say his name. AJD, we'll say. Uh, he has a, it's like Debonsa, Debonsta, mm-hmm. uh, something. He's a guard, scoring guard. 
He's uh, he's fairly well regarded too. I think I think it's between the three of them. They're not all in the same class. I think they're now going to be in three separate classes. But Debonsta yeah. uh, might reclassify to basically take Cooper Fleck's spot in the twenty twenty six draft. Yeah, uh, Gavoni, Jonathan Gavoni, ESPN had this in his story today or yesterday, whenever this came out. Time is fake right right now. It was today. Although August fourteenth, it was today. Okay. Okay. Although many will rightfully pencil and flag as the presumptive favorite to be the number one pick in 2025, this is not a Victor Wembanyama type situation where it's set in stone at this early stage. And quote. So this yeah. is not a lock, uh, but there's a lot of hype here. Our uh, our friend of the program, Raphael Barlow, who does Locked Enemy Draft, who does the NBA Draft Big Board newsletter, um, had a quote out there that he said he's the best defensive prospect. He he wrote about this in his Substack. Yeah. He said best um, defensive it, prospect that he's ever seen in, in seen with, with his, his own eyes. Yeah. And um, Raphael's not a hyperbole guy. Like he is no, not no, no. a he, blow he went, smoke for the table. This this guy. summer he saw him too, uh, which yeah. was you know not like he's talking about a year ago or something. So yeah, I mm-hmm. mean no, the the I think Gavoni doing that is is like a respectful hedge. I mean we already were, were we were kind of pumping the brakes as a basketball fandom community on the Vic hype ourselves of like he's. Did you a, see his hair by the way? Yeah, I don't think it's real. It feels like it's a filter to me, but I'm not positive. See, look, I mean, we are in the age of AI, but like, I gotta gotta be honest. Jeremy Sohan is maybe just like gonna be like the fashion king of the NBA. It's gonna. He's I mean, gonna I'm totally like down team. if it's if it's real. I actually kind of yeah. want the Vic purple uh, blotch to be real. Um, really, honestly, throwing it back all the way to Dennis Rodman when we're talking about Spurs history, which we will actually continue talking about in a moment with the Hall of Fame. Sure, um, yes, but. Yes. Uh, no, I think like the Wemby stuff was just like unrealistic and ridiculous. Um, and there's only very select players who ever are even worthy of that type of hype. So I don't think it would have made sense for uh, anybody to do that with Cooper Flag. So, but for all intents and purposes, I think he's the number one prospect. 2025 was supposed to be a fairly weak class. The guy that uh, is kind of number two right now, I believe his name is Ace Bailey. I don't know his real first name. That's his nickname. He's going to Rutgers. And he's kind of like an inconsistent wing, like one of those Andrew Wiggins, you know, Josh Jackson, like he's one of those types and he's going to Rutgers, which is not, you know, he's not set up on the like lift him up as the, you know, heir to the throne type of guy. So flag should clearly slot in there from everything that I've read and seen. But I think it's just Gavoni being like, let's chill, you know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest takeaway from this was, Chris, that uh, 2024 might be kind of a bad draft depending on what happens, but 2025 and 2026 are both setting up to have real prizes at number one and probably pretty good top, you know, three to five overall, which matters for team building and kind of the future of the NBA and all that good stuff. I think where my head goes is Cooper flag. If he wasn't already is now must watch TV for basketball junkies. Like that's where this this accelerates the timeline for him yeah. even further, I think. And I'm I, I'm really curious to see like what he looks like. You know, there's talk that he might go to Duke. I he will be someone that I watch a ton of college for. I think like he's at that level of interest to me. Where like if he does go to Duke, he does play somewhere else in college. I'll be watching a ton of Cooper Flag just because I want to get a good grasp on him. I, you know, it's hard to squeeze a ton of college in, obviously, with the amount of NBA that we're watching at that time of the year. And I prefer the NBA by a wide margin to, to what college basketball often is, at least until it gets like tournament time. But I, I'm real. I would be watching a ton of Cooper Flag because if he is close to what he's kind of been hyped up to be, or is this kind of more moderny 
kind of weird forward type. I'm really curious to see that develop in all these different ways. And he's going to be a little bit younger. And like when I always find it interesting when guys are a little bit younger and then are throwing themselves into that deep end like that, I think that's going to tell us a lot about him too. Yeah, I mean, that's been a lot of the chatter since the news came out is like the history of, of reclassifications and it's checkered for sure. Um, but I think the thing, you know, there's Gigi Jackson who just became a second round pick and he was like a, a top prospect. Um, Monty Bates obviously did it, but there's good ones too. I mean, Anthony Edwards reclassified and, and other guys have helped themselves. So to me, what makes me optimistic is physically, I think he can play college basketball next you know by next fall like he's he's big he's a physical player he's athletic he can play defense he doesn't have to score which i think is one of the things that can be limiting for players when they try to level up is like if you just can't even drive against nba defenses you can't get your own shot at all but you're theoretically supposed to be a scorer you're really just hampering yourself to like becoming a kind of pull-up jump shooter guy and screwing up your development and everything i don't think cooper flags that type of player i think he can shine honestly without having to score so he should fit right in on a good college team even if he's not the number one scorer. you could see him having an anthony davis in kentucky in 2012 level of impact where the other guys do some of the other stuff and he's just defense ball movement you know around the rim scoring etc so i think it i think it's set up for him well and you know maybe g league ignite swoops in and mixes changes things up or whatever but this felt like the the right move even if it'll be a little less exciting for us having a 2026 class that's not like this all-time legendary thing um you know we lose that but for everybody else involved besides basketball fans i think it makes the most sense do you i i guess like how how confident are you he's just gonna be like just kind of blow through all of this i guess is my question I mean, I have not watched nearly enough okay. to, to feel that, like that, I, that, I can that's answer right. that. that. But I do feel yeah. like people like Raphael and Gavoni pumping him up the way that they have. And, you know, he he might not be Wemby, Luka, LeBron, Anthony Davis, whatever. But, like, he is probably a surefire number one pick type of guy. And, like, you know, I think it seems like the, the main kind of – thing next is just like can he consistently create his own shot can he be a scorer can he do all that stuff which we'll see yeah and that's always a really fast that that's also one of those things is for a guy that's going to go number one that's oftentimes the hardest skill to turn up right like that's often one of the hardest things to really add it feels like it it is not a linear thing all the time even if you sort of have it or don't right i mean Mm -hmm. and that for a guy that we're talking about like this i think that in itself is is kind of an interesting case study to watch as we go forward all right let's talk about the hall of fame brennan um you know look we this was a big weekend i think for a lot of people you know i thought you know pau gasol had some really interesting things to say about kobe obviously um, I love seeing you know guys pay homage on their social media accounts. So like, like Kevin Love had a really great post about Dirk that I recommend people go check out. I thought Dwayne Wade was awesome. Um, I, I, let's just jump around this a little bit. Who, what were your Hall of Fame weekend highlights from from what you saw? It was all awesome. Um, I'm gonna get a little like meta and big picture because my head was just. I, the NBA put together a really cool video of the entirety of all the speeches, just right back to mm-hmm. back to back. Uh, first of all, whoever's running their YouTube page needs to chill on the ads. It was literally one every three minutes. I think something went wrong. I was like, it took me like three hours to get through a two-hour video. Uh, that's just a side note. Um, 
but no, I mean, I was getting a little, you know, like, what does this class mean? What does this era mean? We're starting to see, you know, we had the big class a couple years ago with Kobe and, and obviously the guys like Duncan and Bosch and, and different players have gotten in, um, over the past few classes. And honestly, what I was thinking about is combining those with, with this really big one is it's kind of the generation where you feel like, you know, everybody, you know, we're getting to the point where the 24 hour news cycle and social media and all this stuff was around for most of these guys careers. And, you know, like even the Kobe Powell stuff, it was like, well, we all kind of know the history of those guys from a competitive standpoint where Kobe just like outwardly didn't think Powell was a winner at first. And like, you know, the, the Wade and kind of the beef that he had with Paul Pierce with the super team stuff the past couple of weeks. And what like, we just have so much history and baggage with these guys, but I don't think that took away from it at all to me I, with these moments. They always make me pretty emotional and choked up and everything watching these guys get to look back on all of it. And I also just thought it was funny to think all of that and at the same time have it be a bunch of Spurs guys who are bringing it in, who are the most quiet, the most reserved. So they kind of buck that trend. But um, I don't know if you had any similar thoughts or if I just rambled, but that's where my head was at. The Popovich stuff to me was the most engrossing part of this. I could watch Greg Popovich talk to Tim Duncan Talk about how he would get arrested if he coached Tony Parker like he did. If he had, if he was going to work now, like him kind of like being like, ah, I was probably kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. Making fun of Manu. Like I could just watch those guys talk about life and talk about basketball forever. Um, one of the things, Brendan, that I've gotten like really into with basketball of late, really I would say the last like year and a half, is I, I – I've gotten like much more into the like the history of the game, and I think that is kind of such a vital part for us understanding the game now. And I, I don't, maybe that just means I'm becoming my dad because this is something my dad would also say, right? Like he'd be like, this just feels like something my dad would be like, hey, like do you want to go home? I'm like sure, and I probably thought it was dumb when I was 16. I certainly did, but I think like seeing like the history get talked about in that way. And like those guys be comfortable with each other. It's a reminder of just like how living this still is, how living the game is. Mm-hmm. And like, like the, the, the hall of fame, I, and, and for, cause it's not an NBA hall of fame per se. It's a basketball hall of fame. Yeah. And I think that's good. Right. But I think this should just, this just feels like it's something like that should have been a bigger deal. Like the, I don't know. You, I don't think you've ever been cause you live in Arizona and be a trek to get here. But like when you go to like the the can the Pro Football Hall of Fame stuff in Canton, it is yeah. like a raucous party for these guys. And I was I was out of town when Joe Thomas, the the Browns left tackle, got inducted. But I was planning on going just because I wanted to be in the environment and see what that was going to be like. Yeah, I, th- I you're not going to get that one one with basketball because it's a different sport. It's a very different fan base a lot of the time. It's a more niche sport, frankly, more niche sport, frankly, but. I think like you got to make a bigger deal about this. I think that's why it's great the NBA does that highlight compilation of all the speeches. I think it's great that like you're getting the the, the Becky Hammond pop interaction. I think it's great that you're seeing Tim yeah. Duncan and people people that haven't seen Tim Duncan in three years are like, just what is up with Tim Duncan? Like Tim Duncan has this hair now. He does not just shave Tim Duncan anymore. Like there's all of these things that I just feel like can add to what our understanding of the game is. Um, and I I. Just want I want more of this. I just want more yeah. and more and more because I think oh, I think no, if you I mean, love basketball, you love the, stuff like this. I ate the NBA seventy five stuff up to the same 
point. Like, there was a draft. Did you watch this uh, the week the weekend All Star Weekend for NBA seventy five when they did the Legends draft with like celebrity guests? They put it on TNT, and it was basically like Team Two Bird drafting other players from the NBA seventy five versus like Team Jerry West. But stuff like that, I just I eat it up as well, and I. I, I agree with you on, on the kind of the living and breathing part of the game. I, I completely agree. Um, I also, from the Basketball Hall of Fame standpoint, another kind of takeaway that I had watching this, um, I didn't get your answer on the draft thing, but that's all right, um, is the internationalization of everything. And yeah. this class was just kind of a perfect encapsulation. Um, Tony Parker from France... Pau Gasol, Dirk Nowitzki, like this was kind of the pinnacle of the group of players that ushered in the international era. And it's cool that it just kind of happens right as that is kind of peaking in the NBA. I mean, obviously you have to look much further than literally the Spurs with Vic, but I mean, Giannis, Luka, Jokic. So it was cool to kind of hear those guys' stories of like what it was to be the firsts in from a lot of the countries that they came from. I thought Powell's speech in particular, he pretty much just did a who's who of like Dino Raja, Tony Kukoc, all these different guys. And it's like, yeah, it's crazy how far we've come. These guys just retired a little while ago, but they were kind of the first wave of all that. 100% agree. I mean, you got and on that note, it's like you got more jokey moments where it was like Parker said, Timmy doesn't like French people. You know, like, and in, in the Spurs are that the melting pot in the NBA. Yeah. Like, and we think of them that way at the very least because they had the guy from Argentina. They had the French guy. They had, then they had Boris Diaw later on. They had a cyborg from another planet in Kawhi Leonard. Um, they had Tim Duncan. They had David Robinson, who is, no no chuckle on the Kawhi joke, huh? That's tough for me. Tough crowd. You didn't answer here. my question about watching the draft because you were Googling Tony Parker's joke. So I no, was no, no, asking no. I if you the, watched I, the, the Turner Sports Legends draft at NBA 75 weekend. And you did not oh, tell yes, me if you yes. did or did not. Yes, okay. I did. They yeah, had like and I was Quavo and, I, like, and whatever on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and like so, I was. That was the All Star game in Cleveland too. So I was at oh, the yeah, Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah. Like they had that in the arena. So I I did. Go, I was trying to find the transcript of Tony Parker's speech. So I apologize. But the other the, funny Tony Parker part, though, or not funny actually, more like kind of. It, it ended. It was joking, but it ended up being kind of cool. Yeah. Which are the uh, more of the moments you get with this stuff is the yes. Michael Finley anecdote. Yes, where he yes, said like yeah. Michael Finley had never won one. Both Dirk and Parker were like really deeply like connected to Michael Finley, which was a surprise in and of mm-hmm. itself to me. But the moment of like we wanted to win one for Michael Finley in t- 2007 was all about him and this and that. But um, yeah, back to your point on the so, Kawhi no, Leonard the, being part of a melting pot by way of a different universe. You're correct. Yeah, he's a Lutheran. But like the, your point about the seventy, the, the seventy five draft, and then like the actual ceremony itself. Like I understand you're not going to do something like that at every All Star game, but like I feel like All Star weekend should have like more of like an, an element that is like tell like even if like you know it's maybe this isn't for like the tiktok generation at times you got to find a way to think to put some of these guys out there i mean brendan it takes me back to the, no it's not great content order. you're right it, that's that's what's part of a kind it's, of a struggle about it but 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 it's like it speaks to people i think that like a like have a little more like 
time to like think about these things in different ways and they're like maybe like like it's kind of like reading a book where it's like you like if you're a book person like you're my kind of person and like this is kind of that but it made me think of also lebron when he broke the scoring record it was like yeah that moment meant even more because kareem was there yeah because kareem was there like if Kareem had, you know, God forbid, had passed already or just decided he didn't want to come or whatever, it, it still would have been amazing. But because Kareem was there and was part of it, it meant something. I mean, mm-hmm. I, every once in a while, Brennan, I'll go look. I'll, I'll, there's, there, you can find the videos of, like, LeBron and Michael. Like, you know, one knows what they're saying to each other, but they're interacting on, 70, on the All-Star 75 thing. And it's like putting those two guys in a room together, it's like, I, like... That's electric, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I even think the moment of speaking of Kareem, where Pow said that, I guess this probably was already out, but I had missed it, that Kareem was supposed to be his inductee. Um, and they had a whole relationship. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. I never knew Pau Gasol was like that close with Kareem where he would choose him. I know he can't, obviously, you know, rest in power, couldn't pick who he would probably have chosen otherwise, which would have been Kobe, but. You know, still like I, I those little moments where you really get to see that that fraternity is there, even if we don't always uh, experience it. But I think the other part of it is too, like the NBA should lean into it because it already has more staying power and kind of kind of aura to it than most other sports. I think baseball obviously has it just because their history is so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't even know more than like five NFL players from the '80s. I could name. I mean, there's a freaking TV show about the NBA in the 80s on HBO. They would never do that about the NFL, you know? Like, so the NBA kind of already has that as an advantage. The storytelling and the history and stuff already kind of is exciting to people if you do it the right way. So why not try harder? You don't want to oversaturate, but, like, you know, do it before these guys are gone. We still are, like, with the pioneers of the NBA. Like, that's not something a lot of sports can say either. So, you know, put them out there. Or at least a type of pioneer, like George Mikan's not like the, there is like a generation that is gone and like sure and, you know Wilt, Bill Russell's Russell yeah, yeah. like yeah like there, there's but the guys who like, kind of turned the NBA into what it is like Oscar Robertson's still around you know like well and Kareem. I mean Magic and Magic and Bird it's Magic and yeah, Bird and Doctor exactly. J and and all that stuff um, J, yeah I I think the I think the 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 pow th- I I want to talk about the Becky Hammond one a little bit too because uh we'll, but we'll get to that I think I wanted to say the the Kobe part of this I think just will be it's going to be one of these things that we always I, it's going to be something with him we always feel for a long time mm-hmm. like the next run of guys that get in um you could look I, I Andrew don't know if you this. he'll bring it up. <laughs> Brennan, I, there's a there's a soccer player I, I learned recently that is into computer engineering as a hobby, and like literally my brain went, oh my god, Andrew Bynum, is this like European soccer Andrew Bynum? And I was like, damn it, um, you don't think he's getting in? Naismith's not welcoming him in. Maybe the bowling Hall of Fame. There's probably um, like a pro bowler Hall of Fame. Ba- I think bag getter Hall of Fame, if we're being honest. True. Okay, but. <laughs> really derailed me at that one that uh, was good the kobe thing will good. be around yes i mean lebron will yeah, bring him up like, whenever we, we get lebron's think, ceremony and like, all these guys i think everyone is going to ring up for like the next like decade like two decades like if it's going to be that kind of thing it. 
Yeah, which but then I, you're getting think, into like the generation that he kind of mentored. So like when that's what I'm Booker saying. goes into the Hall of Fame, which is like when 15 Ky- years away, 20 years Ky- away. I mean, yeah. Ky- Kyrie, Kyrie has a very high yeah. probability on on the basketball reference like probability calculator, right? Like, oh yeah, no, LeBron, Kyrie Irving's getting into the Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, um, I I did a show about that for Locked On, and I like kind of like underestimated in my head like Kyrie's resume a little bit and then I looked at it before I did the show and I was like oh he's absolutely getting in the Hall of Fame in my head I was like Kevin Love's gonna get in and just thinking about mm-hmm. it and then I looked at Kyrie and Kyrie is like a 20% better chance based on their basketball reference like probability calculator and I was like oh right yeah <clears throat> well that's one of the other things that I was gonna um, bring up big picture on this class is uniquely great but I think we're yeah, getting that, a little well, bit I think we're getting a little bit away from the everybody gets in stuff from the NBA. And I've always sort of felt like the Basketball Hall of Fame having that reputation was a little ridiculous because the alternative is baseball where it's just a bunch of old dudes playing gatekeeper for like legendary athletes. That's not really fun either. So the whole idea of like we should be more choosy, it's like for who? Who is it for to to be more of a dick to the players who could get in and be like, nope, nope. No Hall of Famers from this year's voting pool. Nobody gets in. That's not cute. That's that's actually really uh, stupid. So, I've never yeah. been a big. I've never had a big issue with it. But this, I feels like we're getting into an era where there was so much greatness and so much talent that every year is going to feel like what this this class is the best one I've ever seen. Well, have you looked at? And obviously, there's a lot of guys that that are going to be up here. Like I mean, that have a lot more basketball to write. But have you looked? Have you looked at this probability calculator ever? I've looked at it for specific players like you're talking about, but I don't think yeah. I've ever like just looked perused the list from top to bottom. So let me let me run you through the guys on their list that are set that are let's go let's go seventy percent and above likelihood. Yeah. And I'm gonna go like up from around seventy percent to up to the couple guys that are hundred percent. And I'm gonna see if you can guess the guys that are hundred percent. There's four of them. Yeah. As of right now. Okay. One is like right on the tippy toe, but he's not technically hundred percent. Here's the here's Seventy percent and above. Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, Nikola Jokic, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Giannis, Dame Lillard, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. That's eighteen through five on their list. Who do you think are the four active players that are now with a one hundred percent chance based on this probability of getting into the Hall of Fame? Uh, LeBron, Steph, KD. Uh, I don't know. Chris Paul. Giannis? Chris Paul. Okay. Um, yeah. Giannis is at, Giannis is getting it. He's at 90, 94.9 right okay. now. Like, so close. Yeah. But then, but then it's like you get, you know, once you, but the, the reason I picked that 70% one is because you drop below that. Clay's at 70%. He's at 18th on this list. 19th is Blake in. Griffin. Yeah. And he's, Clay's going to get in. Blake Griffin is 19th. He's at 54.8%. That's then you where go I think the cutoff f- would be. Blake's, well, a, then you go Blake's even, kind of a coin flip. Yeah, but okay, but then you go even further. He's like the only coin flip based on this because Demar okay. is twentieth and he's at forty two point. He's at forty two point four percent. John Wall is under Demar at thirty two point four percent. Yeah, so then Blake Rudy is Gobert, sort of the cutoff, right? Like, yeah, Blake's yeah, kind of he, the line then, in the sand yeah. of like on either side of yeah. Blake is yes or no. Yeah, and look, there are guys down the list that I think will have long runs. Like Booker only has like a has like a really low percentage chance or not because like just kind of really still getting started. Um, Tatum is in that, in that class. Uh, I mean, Carl Anthony's had to change the game of basketball and he's pretty low in this list, right? Like, 
Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, there, there's obviously guys that are going to come through and make careers for themselves and and do all this stuff and be part of the yeah. legacy of it. Once we're past it's, that early 2000s stretch of of league history, from then on, it's been. I mean, the Celtics won a championship with three Hall of Famers. The Lakers had two guys. You had the the Heatles, which would be all three of those are going to get in. Then you have, you know, the Warriors. All three of their guys plus Duran are going to get in. Like, you really go through it from then until now, and it's like we're in that range where everybody's every class is going to feel great. Uh, we can get to Becky Hammond because I agree we should talk about her. I have one question to transition us back to the mm-hmm. Spurs. Yeah. So I was being pulled down memory lane a little bit because Pop did a good job going back through his whole career, and I was reminded of the. Uh, he's a very giving, very like uh, personable guy for in terms of he kind of has his group. He he brings his people along. He does favors. He gets jobs. He does all this stuff. But he very notably canned his head coach when he became general manager of of the Spurs and and installed himself. Uh, salute to Bob Hill, who was the unceremoniously dismissed former head coach at that time so my question is who is the coach in the nba most likely to pull a 1996 greg popovich in 2023 who is the executive who is most likely to come down and fire the coach and make themselves the head coach one guy came to mind immediately for me but there's some other candidates too it's not well it's not pat riley anymore no probably i don't think for his no, health I, I mean, god well if he was gonna do it it would have been like 2012 yeah, and then like he after was like, the Mavs finals, yeah, he was like probably in a very expensive suit and was like, suppose great." I also I buy this is a quick Pat Riley note. I got like I keep getting Instagram like suggested posts of like his fashion from like the eighties and nineties, and it was like this. I wonder man if was that's a winning custom- time thing. I don't, or it's just like I do kind of have like a slight like menswear like tilt to my Instagram feed right now. But like it's not that you I'm not like a suit more? guy like that. No, we can talk about that or later. anything. Okay, made well, uh, made well sponsor the pod, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. No, I. So, the answer that uh, came who, to mind for me is kind of a cheat, but it's Brad Stevens. That's like the only one because like I, like Daryl Morey is not going to be like yes I'm now going to coach the Philadelphia. <laughs> Although I would no. pay to watch Daryl Morey coach an NBA game. That would Especially be incredible. Now. Coaching be incredible James Harden. Concept. Hey James, pass the ball and he literally gets socked <laughs> in the face. Uh, no, Danny Ainge yeah. came to mind. Former head, one-time head coach in the NBA. He's only 64. Yeah. He seems older than 64, but he's only 64, so he could do it. Um, Flip Saunders would have been one if he was like still around, but obviously RIP. Um, sure. Uh, Lawrence Frank, just another guy who was a, f- a one-time former head coach. But the thing that was so See, badass about Pop doing it is he had no NBA head coaching experience. He didn't yeah. even have much in the way of like legit, like blue blood, definitely not blue blood college experience. Like he was an assistant for Larry Brown for a while, coached at a really small college. And he was like, no, nah, I got this. Like David, former MVP, David Robinson, like you listen, I'm the captain now. Just crazy that that happened. Could you, could you imagine, like, in retrospect, like, if we had Twitter, if we a, if we were, like, cognizant at that point when this happened, because I was not, were you, were you alive? I was not alive, no. Yeah, you weren't even alive. Um, you, can you imagine, like, the tweets of, like, the, the, the reactions, like, the Woj bomb, like, breaking Pop hiring himself as head coach? Can you imagine just, like, exactly. the takery that... Like it exactly. Been I mean, it would I... be kind of like the closest closest example would be somebody like, 
like Will Dawkins. Is that his name? The guy who just got hired? Uh, or no, Winger, Michael Winger, one of those two who yeah. just got hired in Washington. It's like kind of an upstart executive taking over a rebuilding team in a kind of nothing NBA city that's just like, no way. Clear out. I'm, it's me now, you know? Jeff, Wel- Jeff Welbin's like, Paolo, I'm your guy. Let's go. Let's ride, baby. Exactly. It, it, that's how you would actually have to. It's not even the sexy names of like Brad Stevens because that, that would make sense. The pop thing at the time probably just made no sense. It was probably the craziest thing that had happened, except it was the Spurs. So I don't know if, you know, people cared. Look, Brendan, I, I, what I would do for a great Greg Popovich biography, what yeah. I would do for that book, I, I need like that. That to me, an is autobiography. Number, I mean, I think he could. I think he could. But do I, I, but I, but I want, I want both. I want like Pop telling me how to not be such a shithead in a book, and then I want someone like documenting his life, like, and I want, I want yeah. like Jonathan Ike. I don't know if you ever read any Jonathan Ike's. Like he wrote a really great Ali biography. He has a really great biography about MLK. I want like Jonathan Eig to like do the Greg Popovich book. Both would be good. I meant autobiography, not like a self-help thing. I meant to just like, I think he's nah, so I mean, thoughtful that he probably could just, he wouldn't maybe do the writing, maybe a little ghostwriting situation happening there, but he's not going to do any of then that. I, that the, then I want the third book that Baxter Holmes writes. That's just Greg Popovich's guide to where to eat around the world. Perfect. Um, what did you have on Becky Hammond before we close out? I just felt that her looking at Greg Popovich, the the mm-hmm. quote that might stick with me in a serious way more than anything else, was her basically telling Pop, "You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to be courageous, but you did it." I thought was so profound. You could tell how thankful she was, and like that's just kind of what you need more of, like in the league. Like Pop, as he always seems to do, sets the example for that stuff. He's saying, "You just do it." And you empower the people that deserve the opportunities. And there's like obviously no denying that Becky Hammond like deserves the opportunity she got and deserves what she got and would deserve to be an NBA head coach someday if she wants to do it, right? Like yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that that would be the case. So that her and just like she has lived such an interesting basketball life because she's in the WNBA for a long time when it wasn't a big deal, frankly, just like wasn't doing well, struggled, teams come and went. Yeah, like the New York Liberty for like a stretch of it, you know, like they they were playing at MSG but weren't getting. I mean, cards. the they franchise played she played for doesn't exist anymore. No, no better example than that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there's like all these things you could look at and be like, oh, right, this is tough. They're actually the aces, coincidentally. They they moved a few yes. times, but she coaches the team she played for. Yeah, yeah, you know, played for the Liberty, then played for the Stars. Um, I think she. I wonder. She might have played it for the Liberty when they did the the games at Radio City Music Hall, which is like an insane thing that happened and doesn't make any sense if you've ever been inside yeah. Radio City Music Hall. Well, she, then the other part is she she played for the Russian national team overseas because she which is, is part like, Russian yeah. and she couldn't make Team USA on the American side. Uh, obviously, Team USA is the American yeah. side. She couldn't make it. Yeah. So she went and played in, in Russia, not like Diana Taurasi did to make a bunch of money, but for the national team, which probably made her some money too, but... That's crazy. Well, she did play for uh, Moscow and played for a sure. couple other teams overseas as well. So, like she, but like that, but like representing Russia is like, crazy. In Especially in the current history, yeah. I mean, well, but even in two in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, it's still just, that's still like Putin's Russia. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then so like that, that, then she's an NBA assistant, and then she's yeah. like a head coaching candidate, and now she's the head coach of the best team in the WNBA, and. Like, probably the best coach in the WNBA? Yeah. To me. Yeah. 
I mean, I was going to say my t- big takeaway on Hammond is I can't wait for her to be named to the Hall of Fame a second time as a coach. Yeah. yeah. But th- this that is felt the like a fitting thing. kind of way to frame it in my, my head. I was like, yeah. Yeah. She's done a lot of great things and she's kind of just getting started. Well, but you, you mentioned the, his, the, the recognizing history when the, when the stars are still, they're still around. We're going to get versions of that with the WNBA. Sue Bird, Tarasi, Candace Parker. Yeah. You know, like you're going to get, you know, eventually Stewie and, and all these people. Like you're going to get a run that's just like, oh, this is, this is how women's basketball became the big, big, big I mean, big unfortunately, to be honest with you, the Basketball Hall of Fame classes tend to have legends of legends on the women's side every time because mm-hmm. only like one gets in. They need to fix not that to get into that conversation, but it's like every year there's a really exemplary women uh, women's basketball candidate because they only you know tend to pick one or two per per year. But yeah, I mean, I would recommend this book that's right behind me, Hoop Hoop Muses by Kate Fagan from ESPN. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like a start to finish history of women's basketball dating back to like the 1800s. There should be more of that stuff, but um this the, the hall of fame will do a, a lot for it for sure i didn't mean to get us off track but um no, no you're you're, it, it's, you're making it's absolutely uh, true yeah. that um i mean somebody like tarasi we did a segment on her last week about her kind of being like the kareem of of the w in a lot of ways from a stat standpoint from a longevity standpoint everything else like tell those stories especially as the game yeah. grows it's the perfect time to do it yeah i mean kim mulkey was up this year mm-hmm as a as a play listed as a player, but as a player because of what like, she did at college and in the Olympics and stuff, yeah, yeah. But that's like a like there, there's a name and like that in itself is and like even some of the women's nominations like there's two men, yeah, because yeah. there are coaches. Yeah, I mean to to maybe uh, something I meant to say about Pop. Speaking of history, the way he even got in is insane in and of itself. He had to be an active coach for 25 years. That's how he qualified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not even anybody, like, who else has even done that uninterrupted for 25 straight years? I honestly don't know how long that list even is. If if there's anyone else on it, I'm not it's, sure. It's Well, we're certainly in, in an Red Auerbach, like did, he, did, he did, did he do that? I don't think he but, coached yeah, for 25 like, years. It doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't happen anymore. It might happen with Spo, and then it's never going to happen again. Like if it was yeah. gonna happen to anyone else, it felt like it was gonna be like Brad Stevens. Even in college, it doesn't feel. It, even in college, it doesn't feel like it happens anymore. And that's where it was happening. Like, like you had Izzo and Coach K and Roy Williams and these guys like sticking around these programs for like these long runs. Bill Self is maybe the best, the other example right now. That doesn't even seem to happen in college anymore. No, Red Auerbach only coached for sixteen years. Just uh, the, the Celtics light, you know, just, specifically, twenty total in just, the NBA, but just a light sixteen years stint with the Boston Celtics. Just the, you know that no, I love how right he's portrayed about. in Winning Time. By the way, it's hilarious. It, it's very funny. It's just it's honestly in a in a show full of over the top. It is the most over the top. Well, I there's stuff in season one that I I think back on Jerry West. Like any of the well, <laughs> yes, but also the the guy Wood. I can't remember his name, but the guy Wood Harris plays the 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 Laker Wood Harris plays. Mm-hmm. And when he's I just like. Yeah, when he's just doing tons of drugs, and it's like this is what you're using Avon Barksdale on. Yeah, that that's the guy who uh, 
yeah, I, I can't think of the name either, but that storyline was a little took took me out of like, it a little bit. Um, yeah, and I, and I understand that's like part of the appeal. I mean, like Larry Bird in season one is like it's like whoa, it's like whoa, yeah. buddy, you know. Um, okay. Perfect transition. So. Did you like how I got us there? It will it'll take us to yeah. uh, next week's episode. I guess we have one more this week, but yeah, next coming up this week, all all WMA next week. We're going to talk about episodes one, two, and three of Winning Time, uh, the show on Max. Um, do you want to say solidarity? All the writers, all the actors on that show have not been able to promote their show because they're striking right now, and I just want to say solidarity with them. Good for them. And Magic Johnson just, will never promote that show, and neither will Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so not a lot of promotion going on. Yeah, Kareem, I'm sure Magic was out the moment, like the first the, the first scene they show that's in the future, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, Magic's And the first never couple, gonna... couple episodes of, or the first episode of this season is all about some mistakes that Magic Johnson made. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't yes. think he's in a hurry to, to return to that point in his life or confront the ridiculousness of how it's portrayed, but we'll promote yeah, we're not it. Gonna get, yeah, we're not going to get any tweets. We're not going to get any posts on X. Magic's like, winning time, what a great episode, Pass Sunday. We're never going to get that about that no. show. No, maybe Fair his enough. Apple documentary, though. Maybe I'll be like, hey, go watch this instead. And it's like... The sanitized one? Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, that is going to be it for this episode of the Just Basketball Show. James Harden, Cooper Flag in the Basketball Hall of Fame. What a what a round robin for us here. We'll talk to you all on Thursday. Talking WM. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser for production. And again, go click our link below and use use the link. Buy yourself something in homage. Enjoy the hoops. Talk to you on Thursday after the Commissioner's Cup Aces Liberty Round 3.